Welcome to another episode of the official podcast of The Unsexy Startup with your host, Samai Parikh. This is the platform that talks about what it truly takes to build a company and not just the highlights. I also want to thank Raj Singh for helping me put this incredible podcast together. If this is your first time tuning in, The Unsexy Startup is made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We dive into the reality of growing a startup and how to overcome specific challenges while doing so. Our main mission is to help current and aspiring entrepreneurs build more resilience. On this episode, we have founder and CEO of Solera Health, Brenda Schmidt, on to talk about the challenges of disrupting an industry and how to overcome some of those challenges. Solera Health is an extended network that connects patients, payers, and physicians with a new class of non-medical providers simply and securely. Prior to Solera Health, Brenda spent 11 years as the CEO of Viridian Health and has over 13 plus years of experience in the healthcare industry. Brenda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Emma. I appreciate the opportunity. So let's jump right into the questions. Brenda, you were previously the CEO for another healthcare company, Viridian Health, and for 11 years, what made you transition into starting Solera Health and how did you come up with the idea? I purpose-built Solera's business model through several experiences at Viridian that identified the need for a marketplace or integrator in healthcare for non-medical services delivered by community organizations or digital solutions. At Viridian, we focused on employee health management for organizations that had really diverse employee populations, and these employers required a creative approach to improving the health and productivity of their employees, primarily through program delivery by local community resources delivering culturally competent programs. Uh, Viridian then won a large CDC demonstration project in population health that leveraged these community resources. And then finally, we worked with a national retail pharmacy chain to manage patients with multiple chronic conditions referred from a local accountable care organization with the goal of keeping these patients compliant with their care plan between doctor visits. So we had really great insight on employer health management, um, uh, community-based organizations and their capacity to deliver evidence-based programs, and then managing patients that had multiple chronic conditions and and understood the opportunity to link these evidence-based community and digital solutions with healthcare. So based on these three experiences, it it was really clear that there was a need and opportunity for a technology platform and business model that could connect patients, payers, and physicians with non-medical prevention, coping, and support services, either digital solutions or community providers that could really impact cost and quality. And that was the genesis for, for Solera. What was the sexiest moment, the most euphoric high you felt with Solera Health so far and why? Well, we started with the diabetes prevention program. That was our initial program that we focused on to prove our business model. And I remember the day we outreached to health plan members to inform them of this new health plan benefit. And and we were watching the stats as people were coming to the website, uh, understanding whether they were at risk for diabetes. And we could see the statistics of people matching and enrolling in the diabetes prevention program. And Solera has enrolled more people in the diabetes prevention program in 2017 than the entire industry enrolled combined over the past four years. So this is tens of thousands of people who may not get diabetes. And it was just thrilling to actually see the model and the technology working. And you were like the first to give a crack at this and you saw how much of an impact it's made to society. 
Yeah, there are over 1,500 organizations, either community or digital platforms, delivering the diabetes prevention program. And we just saw this need to create a marketplace of connecting the, you know, 86 million people at risk for this program with the 1,500 program providers. There was this very congested market, and there was no way to efficiently address all of the barriers for why this program wasn't scaling. And the opportunity to create that platform and actually drive people and match them, we're sort of like match.com for DPP, uh, was really thrilling. And, and even on the results that we've seen of people progressing through the program and ultimately meeting the, the outcome metrics has is, is been really fulfilling. Let's switch to the unsexy stuff, Brenda. Since we're highlighting about the lowlights, the real magic is behind the unsexy stuff when it comes to scaling a company. Brenda, tell us about the unsexiest moment you had while cracking into a huge industry such as healthcare, an industry you've already been a part of. Yeah, it's it's hard to be a startup and an entrepreneur and sort of gain that credibility. I always say, you know, the goal is to sort of get a seat at the grown-up table. Um, and there are a lot of companies that have sizzled. They get get a lot of market attention and media attention, and sometimes just due to the amount of money they've raised, but, but they don't have stake. They don't have an innovative, disruptive technology or solution that can scale in healthcare. And then there are other companies that have stake, but they don't get a lot of market attention. Um, so certainly the goal is to have both. But, but I want to say probably the un- most unsexy moment I have when I was attempting to talk to someone at a conference and, and he was literally looking over my head for someone more important to talk to. So I just think it's hard to, to just get out there and, and day after day uh, with the belief that you've got something really special and, and making other people pay attention. It's crazy because the uh, the rejection even in the earlier stages, right, it, it gives sort of like this motivation when someone tells you no or like that guy was looking over your shoulder to talk to someone else. It gives you that motivation to really push harder and, and do even more for you. It does. My mantra is if someone tells me no, that just means I can't do it with you. I'll go find someone else. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't take no for an answer. Yes. And, and, and what are some of the challenges actually that come along with, you know, disrupting a huge industry such as healthcare? If you're a first time entrepreneur, I know you were talking about some companies have sizzle, other companies have steak. But what is what is the perfect balance to actually disrupting healthcare? Well, you know, that is, it's breaking through the noise in healthcare is really hard. Uh, there are literally thousands of healthcare startups pitching to the exact same buyer you're pitching to. So when introducing a disruptive technology, I would suggest focusing on the problem and the industry will look for you to solve it. So don't talk about your solutions, talk about the problem. And then if you're talking about the problem, people are like, wow, that is a problem for me. They're going to look for you as the expert to solve it. So I would suggest as opposed to spending a lot of money on slick marketing brochures, you know, start speaking at conferences and gain credibility through thought leadership, especially when you're introducing a new solution or market category that's not sort of just a a better mousetrap of something that's already out there. Um, Health plans and employers are fatigued with point solutions, and they really want broader platforms that can solve big problems, and and there's certainly a lot of problems to solve in, in healthcare. How can you overcome these challenges of making yourself a dominant player in a bigger industry if you're just starting off? Say, and and you have tons of experience within healthcare, but say somebody that's trying to disrupt, what's the small steps they can do in any huge industry they're trying to get into? Yeah, I would say collaboration in healthcare is really important. There isn't a single company that has all of the solutions or can independently build a product as an end-to-end solution for a payer, whether that's a health plan, a provider, an employer. 
Um, so I suggest find other partners that can help you both with the relationships, but also plugging you into their solution and be having an opportunity for you to be a strategic partner with a more established company that already has clients and revenue. Um, we've seen this with, with uh, platforms like benefits integration platforms, consumer engagement, and data analytics. Um, if you've got something that can help somebody else be more effective in this plug into their R productive or, or scaling business model, um, that can be a good way in. And then once you've established that credibility, it's much easier to sell directly and scale your business. And I would also say it's just really important to hire a, a great team uh, because a lot of payers are hesitant to sign up directly with a young startup before they have some type of track record. And But it's also equally important not to get into what I call pilot hell, right? If you're, if you're just going into an innovation center and doing pilots, um, they have no motivation to scale you because they have no P&O responsibility. They just want to learn a lot. So those would be some, some early suggestions around people trying to enter this market. And, and that ties in. What, what do you think are some early pitfalls founders have getting into a market? And, and you were talking about how they could avoid it, but what are like common ones that you see all the time? Yeah, it's really important to be focused on solving a very particular problem while staying agile in product design. Many entrepreneurs just go too broad. You know, we do care coordination or we do chronic condition management. It's really hard for a payer to wrap their arms around what exactly do you do. And so I think it's really important to pick a particular problem, a particular solution that you can prove your business model in a particular market and channel and then expand all the things that your platform could do. And I think it's also vital important to understand how the money flows in healthcare and who has a financial incentive to buy your solution. I've seen it over and over where a technology company has a great solution, but they really don't understand the financial incentive of their buyer. So they may go direct to consumer and then they go, oh no, I'm going to sell to employers and maybe maybe providers and then they just burn through all their cash. So don't design a great technology and then go look for a buyer. Um, find a problem and develop your technology and business model to solve that problem. Um, um, and that's what we've seen. Many founders just go too broad or sell to the wrong channel or market that can just burn a lot of cash before they find their niche. And Brenda, for our founders question, which I asked all my founders that have been on the show, what is some advice that you know now from your experience that you would tell yourself 10 years ago and why? Yeah, I, I think that's it. I, we, we went really broad um, in sort of health management, population health, and it was important to design a business model that solves a specific pain point or problem. And what I realized was you don't need a specific CPT code. The, it was strategically advantage, advantageous to Solera to solve a problem that was big for payers, and they're going to find a way to pay you. So design a business model that solves a problem and then understand who the decision maker is that has P&L responsibility and a financial incentive to work with you. Uh, but I wish I'd known that it will always take longer and cost more money than you think. Um, and the most important thing is 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 don't run out of cash. And I would say the other is that healthcare is a very small world and relationships, collaboration and integrity are, are, are critical and, and always address any business relationship with them, you know, with those principles. Thank you, Brenda, for being on the podcast. It was a true pleasure. And I'm sure our fans who are attempting to disrupt a huge market such as healthcare could have taken some valuable points from our podcast. Thanks, Jamai. I appreciate it. For any listeners that are interested in going through Solera Health or know any family or friends that would be beneficial, I'll provide a link in the description. I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, GoMoment and Quake Capital, for helping me put this podcast together. I would also like to thank our new partner, Startup Boost, for supporting the Unsexy Movement. 
Startup Boost is a 30,000 member startup ecosystem in New York City, which hosts a variety of events for seed and Series A tech founders, including mixers, investor nights, and panels. For anyone interested in joining Startup Boost ecosystem, I'll share the link below. If this podcast has helped you or you learned something new, please leave an iTunes rating by going to the link I provided below. Until next episode, this is Samai Parikh signing out. Mm-hmm.